0: Dr. Colleen Smith got her DVM from Ross University in 2004. Prior to veterinary school, she was a licensed veterinary technician and worked at the teaching hospital for the Virginia, Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine. After graduation, Dr. Smith worked with Dr. Michelle Tillman at Loving Touch Animal Center near Atlanta, Georgia. She was certified in acupuncture by IVIS in 2006. She then moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and worked as an associate veterinarian before starting her own practice, Chattanooga Holistic Animal Institute in 2012. The practice offers both conventional and integrative care along with rehabilitation services. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Smith as we discuss her vet school experience, becoming interested in holistic medicine, starting her own practice, volunteering in organized veterinary medicine, and her consulting role for a company that produces CBD products for pets, Doctor Smith, thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. It's great to be here.
0: Hey, where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. I was a beach girl. Uh,
0: loved it. When did you get the idea that you wanted to be a veterinarian? Was that oh, yeah. something?
1: I think all of us vets, totally, when we were a kid, loved animals. I always you know, they all wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a vet. Um, I just, when I was a kid, yeah, I collected you know, hermit crabs and salamanders and snakes and rabbits and all that thing. And I'm sure my parents were like, it's a phase. Um, so I knew as a, a young kid, I was a totally horse obsessed girl and did the three hours of mucking stall so I can get one free hour of writing lessons. So I knew since I was a kid that I wanted to do it.
0: Um, what did, where you went to undergrad of what, Virginia tech?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was actually an animal science major for the first two years And out of 40 kids, I was the only non-farm kid. And my counselor after two years was like, you know what, you're not going to get into vet school. And I was like, okay, because I was just kind of average and I didn't have the background and I went switched to biology. Um, So it wasn't another 10 years before I, you know, applied to go to vet school. I kind of gave up on the dream and waited. I wish I could have written him a letter and said, ha ha, I did it. But, you know.
0: So, you, you got a bachelor's then in biology. Mm-hmm. Bachelor's
1: in biology. Although I worked for five years as an environmental chemist, um, and I was on the rescue squad, and I did go back to school and I was. I lived in Denver for some time, and uh, to become a licensed veterinary technician, and that's when I knew I was going to get into vet school. I was like, "This is it. I'm going for
0: it." So you, so you went through like a two year program to, for, mm-hmm. and where were you? You were in Denver. Yeah. What kind of pra- do you work? What kind of practice did you work in?
1: Uh, I actually, since I wanted to go back to vet school, I wanted to just apply to my undergrad. So I immediately moved back to Virginia and I worked at Virginia, Maryland um, vet school for about four years. And so I was like the surgery slash anesthesia head tech. And then for two years, I actually worked on a nonsteroidal steroidal um, study. Um, I worked the original uh, Deramax study doing running the force plate at Virginia tech. So that was pretty fascinating. Yeah. But I didn't get into school at Virginia tech, ended up going to Ross.
0: (laughs) So you were working at the vet school in in small animal anesthesia or what was it both?
1: It was both. So I I was ahead of surgery section, um, and then did anesthesia as a secondary. So I did small animal and large animal. A lot of my large animal was the unfortunate three o'clock in the morning call it calls, but it was, it was still a lot of fun doing, um, anesthesia for both.
0: Oh yeah, you probably got to see a lot.
1: Yeah, I did. It was a lot of scary, you know, waking up and putting horses to sleep. That's for sure. Um, so I did get to see a lot.
0: <laughs> Hours of boredom interrupted by moments of sheer terror, as yes, they say.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you wanted to go to Virginia, but that didn't happen. Was Was there any other schools besides Ross then that were in the picture? Or no.
1: Um, you know, I did the usual apply to four schools: NC State, some you know, East Coast schools. Um, but it just, you know, Ross came around. I was actually took me two years to actually, um, get into school. And while though I was a technician at Virginia tech is when I was first introduced. So this is in the eighties is when I was first introduced to acupuncture. Um, and it was, I don't do want me to go. Can I just go ahead and explain it? Cause this was just a yeah. moment. Um, of all people. And I love her to death. Michelle Tillman came to speak at Virginia tech to the fourth year students and I sat in on the lectures all weekend and after she was done I'm like I have no idea what she is talking about and this is a whole bunch of voodoo that I just don't get so I just kind of dropped it but there was an equine um, internal medicine guy who did a presentation as well and he needed pictures for his PowerPoint presentation and they used uh, he used a just a horse that was there that was going to be used for some research purposes and after he worked on that horse and he just put needles in just for pictures, um, a couple of days later, the students came up to me like, hey, did you see uh, this Mac, the horse in the in the paddock back there? He can't, you know, he used to couldn't move. And I was like, what are you talking about? So this horse had horrible ring bone, couldn't move. He was going to be used for, he was actually going to be euthanized for terminal surgery. And this horse is trotting around this paddock. And I'm like, okay, what did you give this horse? And I was like, butte, bandamine, I'm coming up with all the things I know in horses. And they're like, no, like this doctor just put needles in this horse. And now he's just running around. I'm like, wait a minute. And the light bulb went off of my head. And I was like, there's something to this acupuncture. It was pretty amazing. So then I One treatment. Yeah, it was one treatment. And I don't even know if it was a real, I mean, I guess he used the right points, but he wasn't really treating the horse. He was putting the needles in the points. For his PowerPoint point, so yeah, it was one treatment, and this horse is running around, and he ran around for two weeks, no That's meds. I was quiet. so impressed.
0: Yeah. So when you headed to Ross, what did you already have the idea that that was something you were going to pursue later?
1: Yeah, it was in the back of my head, but when I was at Ross, it was just the whole atmosphere was very different because it was kind of in a third world country, so it was a whole lot of like, I just I need to get through school and survive. It was very survival mode. Um, but the acupuncture, there was one or two class members that were also interested in it. And we did talk about it here and there. Um, but the primary was just to get out of, you know, get through school. But I did actually, I came back and did my hours, my clinical hours at Auburn. And I did my internship with, of all people, Michelle Tillman. So six years later, I turn around and I work with her. <laughs> and I first thought she was like, hey, this is crazy. And now I'm just like, oh, yeah, I totally want to totally know this. <laughs>
0: How was, uh, how was Auburn as a, as a place for your clinicals?
1: It was great. Um, I loved it. I actually wanted to be the horse surgeon extraordinaire. And then when I started doing all my horse rotations, I love the horse stuff, but I got a little put off by owners being a little bit, <laughs> uh, a little bit nutty about, you know, their horses and it's, you know, it's a three o'clock in the morning, call it call. And they're worried about if it's a stripe or a snip on the face. I'm like, look, your horse is dying. I don't want to work. Let's not worry about the color of your horse. So I was like, I'll just play with horses and have fun with horses, but I'm not gonna. That's not gonna be my main job. I think, with, as far as horses, but I love the school. It was a great, it was a great experience. And as a technician initially, you know, my clinicals was was not too bad for me because I had a lot of hands-on experience already.
0: And at a university, I'm sure that was a big help.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, how different was Auburn from Virginia Tech?
1: Um, as far as clinicals, it didn't, it wasn't that much different. I mean, they still kind of ran the same. Um, you know, I realized (laughs) the only thing different for me as a technician, I got to go home at six (laughs) unless I was on call. But as a student, of course, you know, you're doing 16 hour days, you know, you're waking up the dog from surgery and you're there all night for, you know, surgeries or you're on call or there's the three o'clock in the morning back dog that you had to come in for which I did as a technician as well. But when you're on, you're doing it almost every night for, you know, two weeks or three weeks at a time. It was definitely the time frame was a little bit rough, but it was, it was as far as the clinics, the clinics were basically, you know, the same. There's a little bit different things. They had, they had a little bit more um, uh, bovine stuff, which I loved I actually was not in big cows at all, but I loved my dairy cow rotation. <laughs> they were just the
0: most awesome cows. Nice. So So how, how big was your class at Ross?
1: Um, I think we had about, um, we had almost, uh, we started with a hundred. The attrition rate was pretty big. So I think we finished up with about 84.
0: And did you have any classmates go with you to Auburn?
1: We had a lot. Actually, we had the biggest group of students. We had 12 Auburn students come with us to, uh, uh, Auburn or 12 raw students come to to Auburn, it was a little bit tough because there was a teeny bit of an attitude of you were an island student and you didn't didn't earn it the first time. So you don't deserve to be here. And I think a lot of my classmates really felt that uh, animosity, but I was kind of like, you know, whatever, I'm here to learn and, you know, finish school and, you know, do my time. And I don't care what these other people think. (laughs)
0: Well, that w- that was going to be my next question, how how you guys were treated at a, a school, like at a different, you know, to be f- merging with another class.
1: It was interesting because um, the clinicians were like, oh, you're a raw student. You guys know so much more. I was like, really? Because when we left, right when we left, we got the little lecture of you're going to have to put in 200% while those students are going to be putting in 100% because you got to prove yourself because you're a air quotes island student. So, you know, we would get there and we would do, you know, help all, I would help all my, you know, help everybody in anesthesia, putting catheters, I would help wrap the leg, you know, I'd, you know, give someone an extra, you know, a little bit of extra help coming in late for, you know, medicating, um, just because felt like we had to kind of prove ourselves a little bit more than the, you know, regular students. So, but the clinicians thought we were awesome because we just had, I did probably six. 12 I think 12 plus surgeries maybe 15 surgeries um maybe up to that maybe did more you know when I got to Auburn it was they had done one and it was a terminal surgery so wow I was on a large animal rotation and we had a goat come in that was had issues and she was pregnant and they were going to do a c-section and me and nine guys on my rotation they were all farm guys and the clinician was like, "You're doing it because you have the experience." So I did the C-section on this goat, and those guys were not happy. But I got to do the C-section, which was so fun, um, just because of my clinical experience at at Ross, because I had done so many large animal surgeries and small animal surgeries. So, how
0: did you guys get experience on the island doing those?
1: Um, so, we 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 got a surgery for the small animal. We got a surgery dog, and we did probably six or seven surgeries we did astomosis and resections we did um splenectomies um we did some soft tissue surgeries we did a lot of stuff on these poor dogs um the locals i mean these dogs here were not pets per se so the locals actually did get some money to bring these animals in um and then there were terminal surgeries but when we were done we also did the large animal we worked on donkeys we also, we had work with donkeys. So we did, you know, we did open the legs, like we're doing some kind of, you know, leg s- surgery and we would close it back up and we put bandages or we put some kind of cast material on and we'd go in and we'd, you know, do a flank incision for things. Um, so we probably did, you know, four or five surgeries on our donkey and probably at least that much, if not more on our small, and our, on our dogs. So, and then we did, we had a rotation out in the woods uh, or on the island. There was one local veterinarian We would go out there and they, we had to neuter a pig. And basically it was like, you know, five of us in the van and we get out and she's like, go catch it. And we're like, what? (laughs) So we had to go catch this big old pig and take it down and, you know, give it some pre-meds and neuter it. And it was, it was crazy. We'd have goats come in that were attacked by dogs, free roaming dogs that had lacerations all over them. And they got minimal, minimal, you know, pain medications, but we're working on these goats. We're kind of having to pin them down to fix lacerations, four or five goats from a herd. So it was, we got some amazing just in the field experience.
0: That's great. I mean, what a difference between you and and the, uh, they get people from Auburn.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a. I don't regret a minute of it. I mean it was just, it, it was perfect for me. The attrition rate was pretty high because I think a lot of American students didn't love the third world atmosphere of it. I mean there was one grocery store and there's no, there's not really any bars and there's not really fast food restaurants and and basically you have to make your you know fun, um, but you know I was a swimmer so I swam around the island for exercise. Um, and I also learned Taekwondo. That's where I started my Taekwondo career.
0: Oh, cool! So you flirted with the idea of what equine surgery, Mm-hmm. perhaps? Yeah. yeah. And then once that went away, once you once that passed, <laughs> um, what did you? What were you thinking when you graduated? What you were you going to do?
1: Well, since I did do an internship with uh, Michelle Tillman in Atlanta, Georgia, it um, was it was a, a two week rotation. I was getting ready to. I was on a full a calendar year schedule. Cause Ross actually takes in students every semester. Um, not just in the fall, like most vet schools do. Cause in, in, in U S vet schools, um, you get the summer off, but we did not get the summer off. So we went through school two and a half years straight nonstop because we had to take an extra semester to cover all the vet schools that we would go do our clinics in. So right before I finished there, um, to graduate, uh, Michelle gave me a call and she's like, Hey, do you want to come work for me? And I ended up working for her for two years. So right out of vet school, I hit the ground running doing conventional medicine and, you know, alternative medicine together. So I was learning both at the same time and kind of smashing it all together. Um, it was great.
0: What a great place to learn that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was an awesome teacher.
0: So where'd you, where where'd you go after?
1: Um, after working with Michelle, I, um, I started, Atlanta was not my, my place. It was a little bit too big and busy. And I actually started, um, kayaking, whitewater kayaking. So there was a, some close areas. I looked at Asheville, North Carolina and Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I ended up finding a job in Chattanooga, Tennessee because the outdoor activities was just unbelievable. Um, so I found a job up in Chattanooga, working for kind of a a clinic in not, not a nice area, which is something that I needed because basically working in Atlanta was just people would be like, I'll do anything for my dog. And, you know, it was just, I could do anything. Um, I can do acupuncture, I can do conventional medicine. But then I worked for this clinic in Chattanooga that was pretty much, you know, dogs came in on chains. They just want their shots. I had probably six or seven parvo puppies a week so it was good experience for me kind of seeing the other side of veterinary medicine, just kind of like a little bit of MacGyvering <laughs> things that, you know, if I kept a lot of clients who couldn't pay um, for their animals care. So I would just kind of like, kind of try to figure out what I can do on the minimal amount of resources I had.
0: Now, had you done acupuncture training while you're at Michelle's?
1: Yeah, I did. Right, right. When I started um, working for her that fall, I started at IVIS. Um, so, uh, you know, the IVIS went from, I guess, September to about April when my final was, which was also coincided with me taking the ECFG, which is the foreign student exam. So it was a little, little bit stressful. I was studying for two, two things. Um, and I'll tell you right now, my acupuncture helped me with my ECFG, it, especially with my large animal stuff, because we had to, um, do some equine evaluations. And I did I did acupuncture points on this horse to try to figure out because I didn't know what was wrong with this horse on this test. And I kind of figured it out. I didn't have the name for it. And I explained it to my the guy who was my test proctor. And he's just like, what would you do for this? And I was just like, well, I would do acupuncture for this. And he's like, that's not an option. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we just I came up for some kind of Western treatment plan. But acupuncture, learning my, going through the acupuncture course helped me actually diagnose this horse. And I was the one of the 12 people in that class that day who got that horse's problem correct. Um, Side note. Yes. Thank you, acupuncture.
0: Where was the course when you took it? Yeah, the It was
1: was in Las Vegas, which was kind of interesting because (laughs) we stayed in a casino and at four o'clock in the morning, I'm studying with a group of people who are taking this test. And all I hear is the bells. And then it's smoke-filled room and we're, you know, we're just listening to all the bells of all the slot machines as we're trying to like go over, you know, the ruminant GI track and of just like, wow, this is surreal. But I did fine. I mean, I passed everything with flying color, so it was good.
0: I mean, you'd had time with Michelle, but did you feel like the IVIS course prepared you pretty well for for getting out and doing it yourself?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I was actually, I I mean, Michelle working for her, it gave me a major leg up because I was already putting needles in dogs before I got there. She, Michelle would, you know, bless her heart. I love her. She would just get, have a picture and circle some spots and be like, here you go. Put these, put the needles in right here. And then she would, you know, kind of explain to me what I was doing. But so I would just put needles in these dogs, you know, not knowing she was, this will work. And that's where I even learned the power of intention. She's like, these points will work for this dog's hip dysplasia. So I put it in I'm like, well, these points will work. And lo and behold, a week later, they're like, yeah, Fluffy's doing better. And I'm like, well, there you go. So yeah, I had, it, it, I got a, I had a major leg up before the course because I, had, I was already putting needles in dogs. So,
0: that's a big deal. You know, I, I think yeah. at least with my, when I went through the course and, and when you talk to people, it's like some people go and they they do the module and they go back to their lives and they don't they don't use it. And mm-hmm. it's, a, you know, I just don't understand why people would take the course and not put it to work. But well, I just imagine certain people have employment situations that might not be favorable, but the fact that you could, and you were already prior, I mean, geez, that must've been huge.
1: Yeah. It, it helped. Yeah. It, it's interesting how people are like, I'm just afraid to put a needle in. I'm like, yeah, you put a giant needle in to draw blood. <laughs> yeah. So the little teeny tiny hair fine needles shouldn't be anywhere near as bad, but it's, it's yeah. It also gave me enough confidence that when I left Michelle and went to Chattanooga and worked for this other practice, I worked at a few practices, I was, I felt more confident to say, look, you know, these cases that you have, instead of putting on non-steroidals, I'm in your hospital that my, you know, what I'm bringing in, is going back to the hospital, refer to me because I can do acupuncture on these patients. So I felt pretty confident um, to be able to kind of push my worth or push this modality um, to these conventional, especially in Chattanooga, Chattanooga is not super progressive. Um, although it's getting better about things like acupuncture. So it took me a while to, um, convince the doctors that I worked for, uh, to (laughs) let me do some acupuncture.
0: Sure. Now I I got asked, did you pick Chattanooga before outside magazine started naming them as the (laughs) best best place to live? (laughs) Yes,
1: I did actually, which I'm like, stop voting for Chattanooga. Um, cause it's getting a little inundated, but yeah, actually I just picked it because it's just, I mean, there was mountain becking trails and hiking trails and the water, the, you know, Tennessee river goes right through the middle of it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pre outside magazine.
0: <laughs> so pre gold rush.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, so you've had some time. I mean, from what I read, the When actually when it was selected for when outside selected them, they talked about this this industrial, you know, former industrial city that was cleaning up. Is that have you seen that change over time? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, Well, I've been in Chattanooga for 15 years um, and people who I have become good friends with who grew up here, like the downtown was just the water was so contaminated. It was very industrial, heavy, using a lot of heavy metals, steel mills. Um, there's still areas where the chert or the sand is full of heavy metals that they're trying to clean that up, but they did a really good job of, um, developing the downtown and cleaning up, cleaning up the sewer systems, um, and actually leaving a lot of doing a lot of gentrification, leaving a lot of the original buildings and just renovating the inside. So the, the, it's just the culture of the area is, is still pretty cool. It's just not a lot of new a lot of new construction looking buildings, but a lot of the older, you know renovated good stuff. they have an aquarium downtown that looks like the one from um, Baltimore, which is really cool and they have IMAX theater. I mean and they just did a they did a really good job. Um, of course there's still they still need some, you know little things here and there as far as stormwater cleanup, but
0: <laughs> yeah, nice.
1: it's it's great.
0: So how long before you decide to open your own or did you purchase a practice?
1: Um, I actually, when I went from the, the new, the first clinic that I worked at, I was there for a year and then, uh, moved to another practice where closer to where I was living. Um, and, uh, I worked for, um, three women that I, th- that were great. And they did let me, you know, they gave me my own room to do acupuncture in and, and somewhere down the road, I was supposed to be able to buy in and I worked for them for about four years. And then they decided they were actually going to sell to a corporate. And I was like, Ooh. Uh, I don't want to do that. So, um, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm going to, you know, do this myself. And from scratch, I guess I just started looking for property and started talking to banks. And although the banks were like alternative medicine, I literally did get laughed out of some, some meetings, but, um, it took me a year to get financing and find a, find a place and then, you know, renovate a place and then start my practice. So it's been open for about eight and a half years now.
0: And when, how long were you into it before you were able to hire some help?
1: Yeah, that was, that's always like the tough part. Cause you know people are like, you're going to watch the paint dry cause you're new and you don't know people. But I actually, two of the technicians that I had worked with were like, we want to go with you. And I'm like, I can't, you know, I sign an agreement not to hire you people, but they're like, we're going to quit anyway. So you either hire us or we go somewhere else. So I hired these two technicians and one became my practice manager and the other one became my head tech. And the three of us basically ran it, um, for the first year and a half or so. Um, and the day we opened our doors, we hit the ground running and I was shocked. So, um, I had generated quite a few clients from the other practice and they just came to me, they kept coming to me for like the alternative stuff. And eventually since I started having, um, nutrition as a major part of my practice, um, and minimal vaccines or a different vaccine protocol, not the usual yearly stuff. And has, as I changed my whole whole well being, you know, whole pet um, kind of lifestyle for my patients, I had these clients instead of just coming to me for alternative medicine, were just coming to me for everything. And so my practice built up fairly steadily, pretty quickly.
0: So you you weren't under any sort of non compete?
1: Um, no. Because I hadn't, cause it was a, the distance. They were kind of like, as long as you're not the, that practice was on a kind of a ridge or a mountain and their, most of their clientele was primarily on that mountain. It's not, I mean, I'm in the Appalachians so there's not giant mountains. don't think Colorado, but, um, I was a far enough away that they didn't think that they were really going to lose any clientele with that. So I didn't have a non-compete with them. Oh, that's nice. They were supportive, actually. They were quite supportive. I think they must oh, have thought I was crazy and they were happy to get rid of me, but I don't know. Who knows?
0: <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just talk about what the services you offer there now.
1: Um, well, we do um, a lot. So acupuncture, of course, I do a chiropractic. I am trained in VOM. Um, we do a lot of ozone. Um, I love ozone. I've just come up with a couple protocols, quite a few protocols for, you know, um, cancer and nutrition stuff, skin stuff. We do um, microbiome transfers. We, d- we do that with our ozone. Uh, we do laser, we do stem cell. I do Eastern Western herbs. N- nutrition is a huge thing. That's like one of the first thing I t- I, no matter what comes in, I just nutrition's one of the first thing I talk about. Uh, we do a little bit of homeopathy. So we kind of have a, a, a wide range. I just started rehab. rehab. I have a PT technician um, probably a year and a half ago. Um, so that's been fantastic. Um, so yeah, I don't even do surgery anymore. I have two doctors uh, that work for me, um, that do surgery. Um, but we still do x-rays and we do some conventional medicine. We, you know, we, we fold it in together as needed and we'll do alternative as you know, requested, or we find that works better.
0: Are there, are there other doctors as trained in the alternative medicine as you are?
1: Yeah. Um, and this is where intention comes in. My My first, the first doctor who I hired about five years, six years ago, um, we, I was just like, you know what, we're getting to the point. We may need another doctor. And like a week later, she's this doctor out of the blue sends an email saying, Hey, I'm moving to Chattanooga and I'm acupuncture certified. Are you hiring? And I was just like, well, look at that. So yes, um, I have a doctor who is already trained in acupuncture and she's now, you know, trained in, um, VOM and I have a brand new graduate who actually was a, um, technician helper for three summers who, um, got into vet school. And so I hired her on when she, um, graduated from vet school. She went through the cheat program while she was in vet school. She's quite the, um, um, go getter. So, um, I have, yeah, both, both of my other doctors are, um, trained in acupuncture, which is fantastic.
0: The other, the other doc that's trained it, where did she go to do her acupuncture?
1: She did. She as well. Yeah. The other two doctors did she,
0: is it uh, kind of nice to have Chi trained doctors w- against your IVS training?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't say against. I mean, we all put, bring something different to the um, you know table. Um, I'll go over a case with one of them. They're like, well, try this one, and I'm like, ooh, I haven't forgot about that point. And it may be something that Chi, Chi emphasized um, that Ivis hadn't emphasized because we get you get into a routine you know, I call them my grocery points, my grocery points when I have an old dog or, you know, bone and bone points and blood points, all this kind of stuff, and way, all these points that I use, like, because I do have um, students come to my clinic to do their 40 hours um, that go to Chi and Ivis when they need their 40 hours. My clinic is one of the ones that students go to, the vets come to. Um, and so that's kind of how I start. I was like, I do have grocery points, which is kind of points I kind of do for everybody. And then I just start looking at all my, my diagnostics of what's going on with this animal, but it's, it's cool. It's, it's actually good. We work better together. Um, and I do use a lot of Dr. Shea's, um, books to reference for some points. Yeah.
0: I think it would be an advantage to have people trained in different places.
1: I, uh, yeah. It's a total advantage. I think so. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I did my, uh, some time in vet school, interned at a practice that had uh, a dairy practice that had docs from five different vet schools, which was pretty cool.
1: That is, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause
0: they all, they all do displaced abomasums a different way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everybody, it's, it's crazy how everybody just has their, you know, tweak on something. And especially sometimes you're like, I didn't even think of it that way.
0: Oh yeah. So, it's great. so I, I don't want to, I want to finish up talking about your volunteer work. Some, um, I obviously know that you served on the, uh, the house of delegates for the AVMA. What, uh, how was that experience?
1: It was a great experience um, when I f- first started and I'm not sure what happened, but um, like I, there was, as you know, we have, we're in the big room with everybody as we vote on things, but then everything is broken up into sections and you're on a certain committee. Um, and, and when I got to work on some committees, there was a kind of a research committee and some policy committees. And I just loved to put my two cents worth in. Um, one of my favorite discussions was a poultry veterinarian um, was was complaining about um, some big, I guess, houses—the the, you know, the poultry houses, chicken houses—wanting um, to use uh, oil of oregano as an antibacterial instead of antibiotics. And I was like, you know, a hand comes up. That's a great idea. I mean, well, yes, it's antibacterial. It's wonderful. You know, and you don't have any kind of this resistance and blah blah blah. And it's good for their gut. And she's just like, you know, well, it smells just like a pizza parlor. And I'm like, uh, you know, record scratch. I'm like, hold on. So you are complaining that it smells like a pizza parlor, but it's, these chickens are doing so much better on oil of oregano than antibiotics and it's so much healthy for them. It's not something that's getting, you know, you know, it's, a, it's so it's, it was interesting that I got to be another viewpoint for some of these people, even when they were talking about complaining about, you know, lay people doing um some massage work or trying to put needles in the animals or chiropractic. And you know, I had a big conversation of, you know, I'm a veterinarian, I'm trained in the vet school just like you. These are modalities that I do. Refer it to us. We'll send it back to you. And you know that we're trained and you know, we know you know how I'm trained. So it gave a lot of the veterinarians, the conventional veterinarians, uh kind of an another insight on um how the alternative kind of works and how they can work with alternative medicine or the people, people who do acupuncture. And so many people pull me to the side. I was kind of like, just ask me this in front of everybody and then everybody can learn from what you're asking me. But so many people would ask me questions about acupuncture or herbs, but they would only do it in quiet, which I was a little bit disappointed about, but it was a great experience. I thought it was, I think more of us need to be a part of that dialogue discussion in conventional Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't, I'm I'm so thankful that the people in front of us, you know, put th- with the AVA and the HVMa put the effort in to get those seats. Because I think even though it's crazy that it's taken until, you know, 2020 or, you know, just, just shy of that to get those seats. I think that it's just invaluable to kind of win hearts and minds one person at a time almost. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. We need to we have our faces in there. And when I do, I mean, no one's been disrespectful at all. And people and more than anything, it's curiosity. And that's a good place to start. And I think I hope to goodness that we, you know, make sure we keep those seats, because we need to have a place at the table there. For sure. I'm so glad that we have them.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the AHVMA now. So you're, you're president this year. So, um, talk about what it means for you to volunteer for an organization like that and, and what you're looking forward to doing as president. And,
1: well, um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, I do, it's, you know, the more I can, whatever I can do to, to help, to be in there, to help move it forward, um, and make it more exposure. I've talked to even at the AVMA, students would come up to me and be like, we really want to start, you know, a holistic group or a alternative, you know, group for the students. Um, and hearing that made me really, um, just fired up about working with the AHVMA. Um, hopefully I'll be able to to do some stuff, um, making sure students get more exposure, um, because we're getting a whole lot of, you know, there's so much curiosity from students. They don't see it as, they see it as a, you know, something is super helpful, not as something, even though it's out of the box, it's not in the their textbook. They're still in, more open-minded. They seem to be more open-minded um, to understand um, complementary medicine or inter- integrative medicine, or alternative medicine. So I really hope I can um, help get more exposure to students. And then also even, you know, even I've talked to some people who look like, wow, why, who's this cowboy walking through the, you know, HVMA, you know, halls. And, um, when we have a conference and, you know, I'll sit down and be like, Hey, you know, what brought you into this? And they're like, Oh, I've been doing this for 30 years. And I was just tired of the same thing and not having any answers or running into roadblocks." And I looked into this and this totally opened up my world. And I'm like, yeah, that would be, you know, being able to help some of these people who have questions to really get them answered. so They feel comfortable trying it would be, would be fantastic. So I, I just feel like, you know, the more I can, the more I can, where I'm needed, I will be there. So.
0: I think it's important for, especially in our segment of the profession, for people to be involved in, in any way that they can just to, to help with that exposure and, and Mm -hmm. answer those questions and just be available.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing is someone, someone in the field, being able to answer the questions is, will go a long way. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I guess that wasn't my last thing. I wanted to have you talk about your consulting experience now as well.
1: Uh, yeah, I am. Um, I do consult for a CBD company, and um, I, I kind of have a little business with a, one of my business partners who happens to be also on the board of directors, Diana Drum, Doctor Diana Drum. Um, we yeah, we consult for a CBD company um, and help them with um, new products, product development, and one of the things cause we really understand like essential oils and things like that and being able to add, you know, maybe add other things to CBD to make it work even better, you know, learning that we, you know, understanding, you know, full spectrum and how it works in the body um, and what things can enhance it. We're, we're doing a whole lot of research on figuring out, you know, what, what we can add to CBD to make it even better, more bioavailable for our pets. Um, and hopefully, you know, as things, If something gets, you know, looks like it's works really good and very safely for pets, then maybe you can use it in the human field. But I'm a huge, I mean, advocate for we need to have some kind of we need to have a lot more research. And, you know, we need to have a lot more regulation because I really do. I've learned that there's a lot of stuff on the market that's just, for lack of a better word, garbage. You know, everybody, you know. But everybody and their brother down the street are coming up with products, and we got to be really careful. And I think with lack of regulation, there's um, there's some product on there that may not be helpful at best, and may be super harmful at worst. So, but I've learned a lot doing consulting and um, seeing what, learning about the products and learning how we can make the products even better and safer.
0: I don't. I, I kind of try to pay attention to it a little bit, but I can't think of many are. Or... There, there can't be many other CBD companies. Let's just take them that, that have veterinarians on staff.
1: Um, actually, I don't know. I don't think so. Very few. Maybe I can think of one or two and that that's probably it. Um, and unfortunately there's a lot of people who are calling themselves experts too, but at how they became the expert, cause there's not really any kind of real certification or any kind of schooling that you get any kind of degree <laughs> on being an expert on CBD. Um, but yeah, I think that's good coming from my point of view of how I want to see things work clinically makes a huge difference, um, especially even, I mean, I could sit down with a bunch of pharmacy, pharmaceutical guys and be like, you put this product out and how it's being delivered is not working and how the taste of it is not working. And the product itself is just, you know, it's falling apart. So being an actual clinician, I know what I think works best in practice. And so then I can kind of, you know, when I work on some products some development um, research and development products, then we can f- figure out what works the best for our for our clinicians and for our patients. I
0: was, I was just going to bring that up. So I'm glad you did that. It must be, I would think, you can tell me if it, it seems like it would be very helpful that with this experience with this company, you kind of see how the sausage is made kind of thing. And that must help you when you look at other products that you carry from other companies in your clinic, you know, gives you some mm-hmm. insight into that.
1: You're exactly right. And it's actually kind of <laughs> the more I understand the development of stuff and what goes into things um, for fillers and to make something a chew and put something in a capsule and is it in liquid form? I've actually become quite disappointed <laughs> in these products because, you know, your your little rep comes in and is like, this is the new latest and greatest and dogs love what it how it tastes or you can give it to your cat. And then I start understanding of what goes into the processing of it. And I'm like, oh, this is not that great, so um, it's given me a kind of a behind the scenes, behind the curtain of Oz, look at how things are produced um, and how even from early stages of just you know how CBD is made by CO2 extraction instead of the cheaper ways and how much safer it is that way. Um, but also with other products that I have on my my shelf, I've I've reworked a lot of products on my shelf just from what I've learned about how CBD, CBD is processed.
0: That's great. I I just, I'm sitting here thinking that's something I should have really, like, somehow we should know that a lot. We should have a lot more background in that as clinicians, how those products get to market and what's involved in that.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, especially I see a lot of skin dogs and I've actually completely eliminated, you know, as much as I don't love all the heartworm and flea stuff. But now I'm looking at these chewables that have propylene glycol and food dyes and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, this stuff is just firing up their food allergies. So I actually have a list of things not to give because, you know, what else is in there (laughs) that's, you know, the inner ingredient is making more problems than this, you know, the initial medication is what I'm supposed to be fixing or, you know, treating.
0: Now, you you kind of hinted at it earlier, but so in your, in your, what, 15 years in Chattanooga? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, have, you've seen attitudes change then with your clientele that they're willing to talk about that sort of stuff more now, do you think?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's in, in all the veterinarians in the, you know, alternative field, holistic field, integrative field, totally understand or know that this is client driven. And people will come to me all the time or like, I had acupuncture done and yeah, I felt great. So I'm like, why shouldn't I have Fluffy do it? And so they'll come in because they've had it done or they've come or they come in because they read about it um or they're just you know tired of the system um they're like it's whatever they're having is it's not getting fixed and we you know talk about all the time the skin dog that gets steroids and antibiotics and steroids and antibiotics and they're on this treadmill and they never get better um and the first thing i do is i don't talk to me about medication the first thing i do is talk about diet and they go well well, no one's ever talked about diet before why is this an issue and then i kind of go into my spiel but It's definitely client driven and, and, um, more people are, a lot of people are starting to, to ask for it. We, we kind of have an under the radar kind of alternative scene here, but we've got a lot more chiropractors and some energy workers and all this kind of stuff here in town. So it's, it's, it's kind of turning into like a little alternative city now.
0: That's kind of cool. Like I suppose with, uh, you know, with the outdoor activities that that sort of thing goes hand in hand.
1: Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. These, you know, I have a lot of people who are super outdoorsy, so they're, they're super healthy. I do have the purist who like won't touch, you know, any chemical whatsoever. And then, but yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, I think goes hand in hand with the mentality of being outdoorsy and e- very eco-friendly and that kind of stuff.
0: Cool. Now, anything that uh, we didn't talk about that we should have?
1: No, I think, I think you covered it all.
0: well great i well thanks so much for your time
1: oh absolutely neil thank you for asking me to do this i appreciate it
0: no problem and good luck with your president's here
1: uh thank you thank you let's see what happens
0: (laughs) yeah i'm I'm as close as a phone call
1: (laughs) i appreciate that thanks
0: (laughs) all right well thanks for your time
1: all right you're welcome talk to you later okay all Bye bye